Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. You're about to embark on yet another great adventure with the Gary and Shannon Show. A reminder, we want you to make sure that you look at the iHeart app and hit the follow button on the Gary and Shannon Show podcast so that you can get updates on what's going on with our podcast. Don't forget to share it as well. Get it? It's adventure music. Also, share it on Facebook, Twitter, wherever you have that opportunity, and tell a friend about what you're listening to when you listen to the Gary and Shannon Show. We have two very special animal guests for you tonight. Both are hairy and have teeth. Please welcome Gary Hoffman. Listen, my teens and my 20-somethings, I get it. It's cool. <laughs> He's the song of the summer. Shannon Farron. Hey, how you doing, darling? Talk about a ball buster. Gary and Shannon. And we gotta do something. And we gotta do it now. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, so much to talk about today. People in Hawaii this morning rushing to stores, stocking up on water, toilet paper, you know, ramen, all the things that you need to just shelter in your home when there's a hurricane moving towards moving towards you. National Weather Service said today Hurricane Lane has weakened to a Category 4, but those winds could still be more than 130 miles per hour and cause catastrophic damage. I'd still go. I'd totally still... I'd, I'd, I'd wait out a hurricane in Hawaii. Just sit in the hotel ballroom or something with 4,000 of my closest friends. Sure. I've got some hot rails news. <gasps> Carmen Puliafito has been stripped of his license to practice medicine. So I don't think we've determined, and if you know the answer, please let us know. Is he still to be referred to as Dr. Hot Rails, or does he lose the title of doctor? Or he's just, he's still Dr. Hot Rails, he just can't practice. Stripped of your education. He just can't practice. He just can't practice. That's what I would guess. Um, of course, the violations that the medical board heard about were uh, illegal drug use, you know, doing hot rails, writing prescriptions for prostitutes who were not patients, things like that. Um, Stay classy, SC. At the bottom of the hour, we're going to get into these, uh, these, uh, the conviction yesterday of Paul Manafort on eight counts and then Michael Cohen's guilty plea yesterday on eight counts because there's still some confusion about what this potentially means for the president. In terms of the Paul Manafort stuff, it doesn't mean anything. I, I mean, there's, there was zero connection between Paul Manafort's charges and the Trump campaign other than it showed that then-candidate Trump made a bad decision in hiring this guy to lead his campaign. And that's all it is. But the Cohen guilty verdicts may that's present different. some more problems because Cohen yesterday got up there and, and pled guilty to pleaded guilty to, to campaign finance it, issues. And even though in a lot of the documents that were filed and the charges themselves didn't have to do with uh, President Trump, he got up there and started blabbing away. And he's the one who introduced President Trump in all of this. So yes. we'll actually hear from, uh, from Michael Cohen's lawyer, Lanny Davis, about what the future could hold for Michael Cohen. But we start with the Molly Tibbetts murder. Did not see this one coming. Yesterday, right after our show, the Iowa Division of Criminal Investigation held a news conference. And there were a couple things that were stunning about it. Um, the fact that it was uh, the fact that it was that late in the day for me, considering they had found a body many, many hours before that and had a suspect in custody for about 24 hours. 
but that we didn't find out any of the information until that news conference. Right. Think about that. I mean, this is a story that's been covered extensively for a month. National, international media descended on this tiny little town in Iowa, and not one of those reporters was able to get this information before it was released by the Iowa Division of Criminal Investigation. Not one of them was able to sniff out the fact that they had surveillance video that they had obtained and had been helpful to them, that the surveillance video showed a man on it uh, right next to Molly. They did not sniff out that this was somebody here. I mean, like you said, none of this came to light until the authorities wanted it to. Uh, Rick Ron was the special agent in charge for uh, the state of Iowa's law enforcement arm. A complaint and affidavit names Christian Bahina Rivera, age 24, who resides in rural Powashi County, and he has been charged with murder in the first degree. Um, by the way, no death penalty in Iowa. It's just uh, life without possibility of parole if, in, char- if in fact, he's uh, found guilty of this. Um, there's a lot to this, and I want to play for you a longer version of what Rick Ron was saying yesterday in terms of how this thing went down. How, first of all, how they found out who they were looking for, and then this guy's confession. We have confirmed with Homeland Security Investigations that he is an illegal alien, and we believe he has been in this area now for four to seven years. How did, you, how did you come into contact with him? How did you get on your radar? Well, during the investigation, we reached out to the public, as you well know. And during our neighborhood canvas, we came across an individual that had security cameras. We took those cameras. He was kind enough to give us the footage from it. And through that, we were able to identify a vehicle that uh, we believe belonged to Mr. Rivera. It was a black Malibu. And from that, we were able to track his pattern and the, the routes in which he took. We are also able to find Molly running on this video, and we are able to determine that he was one of the last ones to have seen Molly running based on the video, again, that we were able to seize from the general public. I'm sorry. This is where it gets chilling. Well... Again, we were able to pull him in during the investigation. We conducted a lengthy interview with Mr. Rivera. And during that interview, he tells us that he sees Molly running and was able to uh, come upon her, approach her. And while he was interfacing with her, he actually tells us that he ran alongside of her or behind her. And then at one point, he tells us that Molly grabbed a hold of her phone and said, you need to leave me alone. I'm going to call the police. And then she took off running. He, in turn, chased her down. And then he tells us that at some point in time, he blacks out. And then he comes to near an intersection, which we believe he then placed Molly. He, he, he said that he blacks out at one point and that he realizes that she's in the trunk and he lifts the trunk open. He sees that she's got blood on her head. There's still so many questions and so many blank spaces in this story. And who knows if we're ever going to find out the blow by blow of what happened and how her life ended and and what the body's going to be able to tell us in terms of cause of death. 
Yeah, autopsy scheduled for today, but the chances of getting any sort of information in the next few days seems pretty slim. It'd probably take a couple of weeks before they release any of that. This morning, we are learning more about this guy in question, Christian Rivera, about where he worked, his connection to a prominent Republican, and oh yeah, the fact that he was here illegally. And now this is going to be a major talking point for everybody who wants to build that wall. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Just like Shannon, Wednesday, Wednesday, that is August uh, 22nd. I know. Hey, what are the chances? But I was just thinking about this. Cohen and Manafort, both eight counts. Uh, eight is a big number in feng shui, is it not? It is. Or the just Chinese, Asian culture. The, the Chinese culture, yeah. yeah. Okay. Not that that really has much to do. Paul Manafort, by the way, <laughs> even though he was convicted yesterday on eight counts of, uh, of fraud, bank and tax fraud, there was a mistrial on 10 other counts. This guy is nowhere near the end of his courtroom time because later this year, they're supposed to start a conspiracy trial in D.C., which includes witness tampering and, you know, not registering as a foreign agent and everything. So it's just I was uh, I was a little surprised at how effusive the president was in his tweets on behalf of Paul Manafort. Oh, yeah. Oddly, uh, oddly suggesting that. For some reason, he's just a good guy. That he's unfairly been maligned. I don't, you know, I don't that, that, that he said something to the effect of um, this witch hunt or something has ended in disgrace. It's like, well, Paul Manafort brought the disgrace upon himself through his illegal actions. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not that something bad happened to this wonderful man who has a wonderful family. It's that he, his actions were illegal. Right. He wasn't playing by the rules. And, and you have to have some sort of accountability. You know, it's one thing if the president tweets, uh, you know, too bad he got caught. He's a great guy. You know, a lot of people get away with this stuff every day, but he was under the microscope because he's connected to me and that sucks. Right. Something like that. Right. But no, he made it sound as if Paul is the uh, Paul, a victim, you know, first name basis that he's the victim in all of this. We are talking about the Molly Tibbetts case and the news yesterday that an illegal immigrant has been arrested and charged with her first degree murder. This illegal immigrant worked at a farm owned in part by the brother of a prominent Republican. The Des Moines Register reports that Christian Rivera worked at Yerabee Farms. Eric Lang is the owner. Uh, Eric's brother is Craig Lang, a Republican who is president of the Iowa Farm Bureau Federation, a candidate for state ag secretary. I believe he was also in charge of the um, state-run universities at yeah. one point. He was a uh, Iowa Board of Regents at one point. Yeah. yeah. And he was, uh, like you said, Secretary uh, State Secretary of Agriculture. He was the Republican candidate for that. The, the D- Iowa Division of Criminal Investigation yesterday described this guy as an illegal alien, that he was here illegally, that he had been placed on an immigration detainer. Now, according to the farm... According to the Lang family, they put out a statement that said, uh, first and foremost, thoughts and prayers with the family and friends of Molly Tibbetts, a profoundly sad, profoundly sad day for our community. All of us at Yarrowby Farms are shocked to hear that one of our employees was involved. And then they go on to describe this guy, and they say, this individual has worked at our farms for four years and, catch this, 
was vetted through the government's E-Verify system and was considered an employee in good standing. He did not have a criminal record in Iowa before yesterday. Um, There's a Facebook page that appears to belong to him, identifies him as a resident of Guerrero, Mexico. His profile says he attended a college there. Numerous Facebook friends in Iowa, some from Tama, Marshalltown, and Brooklyn. His last public post on Facebook was a cover photo uploaded May 26th. I believe that he was living in uh, some, I don't want to say ramshackle, but some distant farmhouses, remote farmhouses that were owned by the, the farmers, the Lang family, the Yerby Farms. And that he was living there with a in a small community with a bunch of other people, including, I believe, either a girlfriend and a, or slash wife and his uh, his kid at this point. So, again, he's only twenty four years old. Um, the 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 thing that we're going to have to figure out here, and the Iowa Division of Criminal Investigation has probably got all kinds of evidence. And if you want to trust one law enforcement agency over the other. You could clearly say that this guy was was in the country illegally, but why then would he pass the E-Verify system? Why would he be confirmed as employable by the E-Verify system? That's one of those things that we've heard of so many times. There's, if, isn't there a, a number of problems with the E-Verify system? If I'm going back in I, my mental Rolodex yeah. here, the last time we talked about it, which is a very long time ago, it's not. It's not a save. It's not a um, an end all to the problems of employing people who are in the country illegally. This may be an example, probably the brightest example that we have right now of it not working correctly, because one of them is right. You know, either the Iowa Division of Criminal Investigation is right or E-Verify is right. And we got to figure it out. It doesn't it doesn't erase either way. It doesn't erase the fact that that he is accused of killing a 20 year old girl. I'm looking through the pictures that he posts and he reminds me a little bit of like an Elliot Rogers like he's just like he's may a small guy, small guy, uh, pictures of guns, pictures of him dressed in outfits, ready to go out kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But he's alone in all of them. Right. Um, just be- kind of just bizarre posts of him by himself, uh, himself driving himself in the bathroom, trying to look, I don't know, desirable. Strange. Now, the details that they released uh, in the news conference yesterday and also in some of the court documents that they put out yesterday, they said that they believe that Molly was abducted around the 1900 block of 385th Avenue. If you had this picture of a small town in Iowa where uh, up just north of town, there's a highway just south of town. You've got uh, Interstate 80 that rolls through the middle of Iowa. She was in farmland as she was jogging around and this happens to be one of those five geographical areas that they were looking for information if you remember there was a map that they put up on the the page that the state put together finding molly.iowa.gov there were five little uh, circles on a map and if you clicked on those circles it said if you are in the area of the 1900 block of 385th avenue on the night of july 18th or the morning of july 19th we want to talk to you because whatever information you have may seem insignificant to you but it's significant to us that was one of those areas that was one of the five circles where 
where she, where she was, uh, they believe that she was abducted. How long do you think they've had this information? When did they get those surveillance cameras? And then how long did it take them to track down this guy? And were they working on him for a while before he finally led them to her body? I just want to know all these follow-up questions. That's a, I, I would imagine that the... Okay, if you're dealing with a town of 1,500 people, how many of them are going to have surveillance cameras that would actually have information, I mean, images on them that would be... It wouldn't take that long. It's not like you're asking people in Duarte or something like that for everybody to upload their images from their security cameras. You know what's nuts is, uh, all right, 1,500 people in Brooklyn, how many have security cameras? And the guy or the woman who lives in the place that did give up the cameras... Did they not talk to anyone? Did they not talk to Jane and Dick down the street and say over coffee, uh, by the way, the cops uh, found something on my surveillance uh, videos? Because you would look at it before you turned it over to the cops. Yeah. I don't know if this means anything, but there's a black car that keeps going by the front of the house. uh, Oh, and there's Molly running on our video. And then there's a black car behind (laughs) her. The fact that this did not leak out is really, like you said, one of the biggest surprises of the story. Uh, Brian Suits actually texted me this morning and said that same question like how come we didn't find this out either fbi idci and powashik county small town talk how does it not come out the the only thing i could think of was the story itself was a month old and all of the incredibly intense coverage that we saw two weeks ago a week ago had kind of died down and it appeared that we were going to go up sometime without finding out information. So the national reporters are gone. The people from Chicago are gone. You're just dealing with reporters basically from the Des Moines Register and the TV station. And then I had another thought that it's got to be connected. Him leading the authorities to the body has to be connected to them telling the dad to go back home. I just wonder if he did not want to give up the body with him in town or something like that. It just it just doesn't it's too much of a coincidence that they knew who this guy was. They were probably working on him, but they needed the body. And uh, and and that may have been part of it because it just their dad's told to go back home on Monday and Tuesday. They're led to the body. A couple things. Uh, The autopsy is going to be performed today, they say, on Molly's body. And this suspect is due in court uh, about a half an hour from now. So in the one o'clock hour, we're going to revisit this story because new information is definitely going to come in over the next couple of hours. Coming up next, the president's ex-lawyer admits in federal court that he violated campaign finance laws by paying hush money to two women who said that they slept with the president. Two women? Yeah. Hmm. Can you do that? What do you different mean? times, right? We're, t- we're talking different times, different women, different times. What's wrong with you? I don't know. You need more coffee? You threw me off because you have the PEX uh, pipe in your hand and you're using it like an appendage because you because <laughs> you literally just said, I'm thinking, you know, and you used it like you would put a finger to your head and go, I'm thinking. Oh, really? But you did it with your PEX pipe. You're like, I'm thinking of a, oh, and it really? was very distracting. I'm so sorry. I'll get rid of it. Threw me off my game. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. <laughs> Gary and Shannon, the DNC says it has been able to stop an attempt to hack its database. 
database that has information on tens of millions of voters across the country. Party official says DNC contractors notified them of an apparent hacking attempt yesterday. They called law enforcement. No com- information was apparently compromised. Uh, four suicides by students since school began in Rancho Cucamonga. We're going to be talking to Corbin Carson, who's been covering that story for us. What the hell's going on? Uh, big, uh, big ceremony at the White House today as well. The president's going to award the Medal of Honor today to the widow of an Air Force tech sergeant. Uh, Air Force Cro- uh, Sergeant John Chapman uh, is charged, uh, charged into enemy fire near the summit of a 10,000-foot mountain to retrieve a Navy SEAL's body. He was killed as he fired on al-Qaeda fighters trying to shoot down a U.S. helicopter. First airman to be awarded the Medal of Honor since the Vietnam War. So that ceremony is going to take place today. Well, two major scenes playing out in court yesterday for people connected to the president. Former campaign chairman Paul Manafort found guilty on eight counts of financial crimes Tuesday. Mistrial declared in the remaining 10 counts. Uh, Manafort served on the president's campaign for nearly five months. But it seems like these charges, you can't connect the president to them. You just can't. Uh, No matter how much some people are trying to do it, it just is not logical. It's well, here's what the president said. What do you think he just tweeted? Sit back, relax and enjoy my tweets. He said this morning, I feel very badly for Paul Manafort and his wonderful family. Justice, in quotes, took a 12-year-old tax case, among other things, applied tremendous pressure on him, and unlike Michael Cohen, he refused to break, in quotes, make up stories in order to get a deal, quotes, such respect for a brave man. Why would you tweet that, that Manafort didn't break? Because it's insinuating. What do you mean? It's a, it's a message to him. It's insin. Well, now it doesn't matter, right? He's not going to break now or accept a plea deal. But why would you insinuate that if he did break... There would be secrets that come out. I see what you're saying. You know what well, I mean? It, I, I think the problem with this tweet is that too many people are going to look at it as a loaded message directly to Paul Manafort. Thank you for your loyalty. Yeah. I got your back. A pardon is a coming. Michael Cohen, on the other hand, what he did in federal court in Manhattan does create some problems for the president, no doubt about it. He admitted there that he violated campaign finance laws by paying that hush money to the two broads that say they slept with Trump before the campaign. Two in broads. order, you can't say broads. I can't. No, I think I can say broads. Okay, well then you say it. Uh, do you, would you rather me say a porn star and the other uh, upstanding lady? And the Playboy Playboy model? <laughs> right. I mean, come on. Uh, but anyway, he essentially said, yes, I fixed this so that it wouldn't hurt the campaign. Yeah. Now, this is going to be an interesting argument because Lanny Davis is Michael Cohen's attorney. Lanny Davis, the longtime Clinton affiliate, uh, and I mean, admitted clearly and multiple times he hates Donald Trump. He hates him. So when he goes out and does the TV shows uh, last night and this morning, he was talking about what he believes Michael Cohen still has uh, and what he will still say about that phone call and that direction from the president to pay off Stormy Daniels. The evidence was provided definitively by Donald Trump's lawyers. They wrote the special counsel and said Donald Trump directed Michael Cohen to make these illegal payments. That's not a dispute. 
It's not about credibility. It's his lawyers in a letter used the word directed. Rudy Giuliani said, don't believe what Trump said on Air Force One. It's not a crime to lie to the American people. And he said Donald Trump reimbursed Michael Cohen. Okay, so there's a couple things that go into this in terms of making it an actual campaign finance violation. And one of them would be clearly if the money that was paid back to Michael Cohen came from the campaign. That would be a clear violation. But in terms of the a guy, whether or not he's running for president, a guy who tells his lawyer, pay her so she stops talking, I'll pay you back, and then cuts a check from his own money, that's different. And I'm not sure why – I'm not sure that that falls under the, the – the purview of campaign finance violation, even if it is. Well, then why was he charged? Well, even in the context of doing it in an attempt to have an impact on them. Um, And I don't... It's an impact on the campaign. It's an impact on the election. Yes, and I think the problem is if that's the case and if that's the legal Which, bar, which by the way, I don't think it would have influenced the election at all. No. If this stuff came out, that's the thing. You know, it's always a cover-up, right? It, it, if it came out about Stormy Daniels and the, the Playboy model, I forget her name, Karen McDougal, McDougal or yes. something, yeah. Uh, it wouldn't have mattered. This was a president, a presidential candidate that talked about grabbing women's genitals and uh, on video. Well, and don't forget, and, these and stories, it, didn't, it didn't touch him. These stories were not new. Right. I mean, we these stories of of extramarital affairs on this guy's behalf were not new. So I was surprised. Number one, when the story came out, because I had that same attitude. Like, right. well, why? Why did he just blow $130,000? It doesn't matter. And it does matter now. We're learning because it's a violation of the campaign finance laws. The president tweeted, Michael Cohen pled guilty to two counts of campaign finance violations that are not a crime. Well, then you you wouldn't be able to plead guilty Uh, to them. So here's here's what I think. Again, I don't know why we try to decipher what goes into these tweets when. But I think what he meant was. The two counts of campaign finance violation that Cohen pleaded guilty to are not criminal charges. They'd be civil charges. So he would be he would be forced to pay some sort of a fine in that case, uh, because that's a lot of these campaign finance violations are just that they're civil. You don't get punished for them with jail time. You would get you would get punished with them uh, for them with fines. I That's the only thing I can think of as to, to explain that away. Because you don't plead guilty to something that's not a crime. Right. Well, that makes sense. But but still, it's it's a silly way to put it. And I don't know if the president's that nuanced when he tweets this sort of thing. You, <laughs> I could just imagine he is pounding that phone with those thumbs to try to get these messages out. We will have all the latest on all these stories as well coming up in Swamp Watch when we talk all things Washington at 1230. When we come back, what you watching Wednesday? What you watching? What you watching? Gary and Channel will continue. They were feeling like gold. Hey, I found some uh, legal clarification on what happened with Michael Cohen and why those were crimes and would not have been civil offenses. Okay. There is a difference. Uh, he knowingly went ahead and made those payments to keep the women quiet during the election. Uh, 
quoting here, in coordination with and at the direction of a candidate for federal office. He told the judge yesterday he knew what he was doing and he knew it was illegal, but that he did it anyway. That's the distinction. Uh, if He knew he was breaking the law, specifically the Federal Election Act, um, and he did it anyway. If he had no knowledge he was doing anything illegal, he would have faced the less severe repercussion, uh, the monetary fine from the FEC. But because he knowingly broke the law, it makes it a felony. All right. uh, that's the difference between uh, a crime as a campaign finance violation and a civil matter. And I think the interesting thing about the Cohen um, uh, guilty pleas is this doesn't guarantee that he stays out of jail. No. I mean, there's still a very real possibility that he could be sentenced to. I as, think it's as much 46 as, months or something was the recommendation. Yeah. So yeah. so four years, four, four years. Um, the that doesn't mean that that wouldn't also be wiped away. I mean, I was I was hearing Wayne talk about this this morning with Handel, that there's still a possibility that, you know, you get sentenced and then you still give more information to the government oh, okay. and they can come back and request that. That, that that be reduced a bit. So, Interesting. But it's not a guarantee. Anyway, hey, it's time for What You Watch Wednesday. The following program is brought to you in living color. What you watching in there? Americans love television. They wean their kids on it. USA television much better. You've been watching too many of those live television shows. Well, we've been watching uh, Sharp Objects, the show on HBO. It is a depressing watch. Well, I think I would hate I would hate to sit down with Gillian Flynn and ask her about her relationships with other women. Well, it's because holy crap. Yeah, it's nuts. I mean, like I said, I read the book 10 years ago or so, um, and I don't remember it being as I remember it being dark. Yes. But I remember it moving quickly, mm -hmm. you know, and it being more police procedural, uh, more about the investigation, less about all the, the cutting. <laughs> and it's just you, you hit the nail on the head, the, the messed up relationship between the women in, in her stories. I am uh, I'm excited about this show because I even if even being a fan of something like Westworld, the editing in Sharp Objects is noticeably better than anything you can see on TV. Well, it's almost as good as the edi editing of Stranger Things. I would, yes. Specifically like episode that. seven. <laughs> I see what you're doing. There. Uh, <laughs> we have a friend. Who we have a friend. Um, but the thing is, it's it's an interesting look at this, uh, this, you know, small town crime that goes on. And in the context of what we've been talking about with the Molly Tibbetts case, this Sharp Objects show takes place in a small town in Missouri where people are reluctant to talk to law enforcement, even though there's a crime, in this case the murder of two small girls, uh, that go have been unsolved at this point. And nobody really wants to – first of all, they wouldn't want to admit that someone in their town would even be capable of doing that. It's a very small town thing, isn't it, uh, where everyone's in everyone's business, yet you don't really know anyone. Yeah. And the mother, the character, it's beautifully acted. Um, yeah, Adora, it's it's unbelievable how well they've done this show. And the prob the only problem I would have with it is seriously, eight episodes. You're going to draw this thing out for eight hours. Yeah, you and, done that's, this and that's a the difference for me for the book because it moves so quickly. Yeah. I, mean, I think I finished it in like two sittings. You could have and done this in a probably two and a half, maybe three hour special or something like that. Right, a mini series. Mini series is a good way.
right. Uh, YouTube is also going to come out. They say they have 50 original shows coming out next year. 50. That's unbelievable. How many, how much time do people, do people, how much time, yes, do people have to watch television these days? I mean, the amazing thing is you can watch it wherever you are now, yeah. thankfully. But the idea of sitting down and and actually taking in an entire show seems to be very, very daunting. The one I'm most excited about, though, I think in the upcoming is going to be Jack Ryan. Now, how do you feel about the casting of this? I think the problem of John I... Krasinski as Jack Ryan is... Because he was so brilliant as Jim in the office. I don't see him as Jack Ryan. Well. But maybe maybe he will be. No, I'm trying to think of the last. It was a Chris Pine was the last one to play Jack Ryan. He played him in the in the movie with um, uh, not Michael Keaton, but uh, he plays in baseball movies all the time. Come on, you guys. Did you own. see? A, oh, uh, Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. Thank Did you, you see John Krasinski, though, um, that that? Movie where they're in Iraq or Afghanistan or whatever. I it's actually uh, Libya. There you go. That's the one. Yes. War torn country. Thirteen hours. Yeah. He. I, I thought he. He didn't. When I watched that whole thing, and I love The Office. I couldn't even picture him as Jim. Good. And uh, good. I mean, I mean, I'm happy to hear that because I don't. I don't want to be distracted by that. And a quiet place. Couldn't even picture him as Jim. Like he separated himself. I don't know if the beard helps a lot, but he separated himself so much from that look and that style. That he's a com- he seems like a completely different actor. Good, I'm excited. Again, that's going to be Jack Ryan shows up on Amazon Prime next week. I believe it's the 31st, so it'll probably be Friday. So um, I guess it'd be the 24th. Will 30. This is why you should have spoken. I don't know uh, what the this, problem this is. This morning, you, you're very quiet in the office. You, I don't think you said one sentence uh, the entire morning. My daughter drove herself to school. I know you've got a lot going on. We'll tackle that. Dr. Wendy's coming in at 1.30. We'll dive into your issues. You'll be fine by the time it's time to go home. How much beer is in that fridge? Gary and Shannon. More next. Gary and Shannon. DNC says it has stopped an attempt by hackers to get into its database that houses information on tens of millions of voters across the country. That's not good. Ceremony today at the White House. The president is going to uh, award Air Force Sergeant John Chapman the Medal of Honor for his actions, uh, trying to retrieve the body of a Navy SEAL in Afghanistan 16 years ago. Uh, his uh, Sergeant Chapman's widow will be the one who will receive it. It's He would be the first airman to be awarded the Medal of Honor since the Vietnam War. National Weather Service says Hurricane Lane headed towards Hawaii, now a Category 4. Um, the sustained winds are near 155 miles per hour, so people put on notice on the islands there. They haven't said anything about landfall, I haven't seen, in terms of when they expect it. But I know the governor had said all state employees should take administrative leave Wednesday through Friday. So maybe somewhere in the middle of there. Something is going on in Rancho Cucamonga. Corbin Carson joins us now to talk about it. Looks like there has been a number of suicides by students in the area. Corbin? 
Yeah, guys, four students that all went to schools in Rancho Cucamonga suicided within the first two weeks of this school year. The three were at high school uh, kids that were at Rancho Cucamonga High, Etiwanda High, and Altaloma High in the Chaffee uh, Joint Union High School District. And one was from Victoria Groves from the Altaloma School District. He was just 11 years old. Uh, the San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department says none of these students attended the same schools, and there's no indication that the students knew each other. She does say, or excuse me, the county sheriff's department does say the suicides all happened the same way. And I got to tell you, I talked to a lot of parents in Rancho. They are reeling. The search for why a cluster of suicides is happening in such a short amount of time has so many people worried. People are blaming cell phones, video games, bullying, and families just not talking to each other. Some were telling me they tried to talk to the kids, but they just roll their eyes. Or if a parent asks if they're bullying, they get mad. It's it's just a frustrating, sad situation. Uh, are the schools responding in any way with any sort of uh, special, uh, I don't know, uh, what do you call it when you all gather in the auditorium? Counseling? Set, like a rally? Not a rally, but assembly. assembly. Thank you, Blake. I haven't heard of any assemblies. I have uh, talked to both superintendents of the two districts that uh, comprise the four schools. Uh, you know, the the uh, Chafee Joint school, school District superintendent said that, you know, there's no greater tragedy than the death of a young people. They have, you know, put out a crisis team of trained therapists on, on the school grounds. And the Altaloma School District said they're deeply saddened at the loss of one of their students and that they're rallying around the families and, you know, and, and, and really being there for the kids. But, you know, today I came out to the San Bernardino County uh, uh, Behavioral uh, Department of Behavioral Health to try to figure out what's going on. You know, I mean, I, I, I talked to the doctors and I said, hey, look, we got, you know, four kids in, in, in two weeks. What 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 is the answer? And in a really interesting answer I got from Dr. Timothy Hogan. He is uh, he works with kids at the San Bernardino County Department of, of, of Behavioral Health. So one of the basic things about just being human is we want to make sense of something. Or we want to try to figure out why. And, and the answer may be that we won't know. I, if there's not a connection, I, I don't think we're going to come up with a why for that. Um, I, I'm not sure if there's word of mouth going around. I'm not sure what the interactions are. I, I, don't, know the, I don't know the specifics of these children. Um, but we're going to be left with probably not understanding why this is happening in this intense way in a short period of time and why they're all happening in the same way. He said if there's no connection, there there probably is no connection. And it's just the weirdest, the, uh, the idea that you would have that many kids in that short or that small of a geographical area and in that short of time all kill themselves in the same way. Gosh, and an 11-year-old. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got to tell you, that's that's the part. I mean, um, you know, I've got four kids myself, um, and, and covering these stories is just it's so heartbreaking talking to parents. And even this doctor, him and I spoke for about 45 minutes just a few minutes ago, and him and I both are misty-eyed trying to get through this. I can only imagine what the families are going through. Um, and, but the, the scary thing is, you, you know, you, you try to protect your kids. You hear the basics, you know, don't get them involved in gangs so you watch who they hang out with or don't get them involved in drugs so you give them curfews and keep stuff out of their way. But a lot of these parents, including myself, just when you think about this issue, there's no there's no cause. It's a helplessness feeling. 
Right. And you talk to a doctor who knows the latest on the science and you heard his answer. You know, it's, you know, some of these things we're, we're just trying to find out a reason. Yeah, it is not comforting when the doctor even throws up his hands and says, I don't know. Yeah, well, I got to tell you now, he didn't, I, I, I don't want to put him in that light. He did say he, you know, they are focusing definitely on the resources. He talked a lot about, you know, the programs the county has in schools that are reaching out to kids. They're trying to come where kids are at. And even those issues, he listed several programs and numbers where people can call and going out during the, today on all four of these campuses. And, and, and these issues, these therapists and counselors are always on the campuses, but even more so, obviously, after these incidents. And he said even the things they've been doing aren't enough because they're trending up. Suicides are trending up. Uh, Terrifying words. Corbin, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right, when we come back, we're going to give you the details on this. um, The Duncan Hunter, the grand jury indictment against he and his wife, accused of using campaign funds for personal expenses. And some of this stuff... Some of this stuff will blow your mind. He spent $1,500 on five round trips to, to Boise. Mm. Uh, he doesn't know about Southwest, <laughs> clearly. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Back when we were Gary and Shannon, big story we told you about. In the 10 o'clock hour, we are going to revisit it at the 1 o'clock hour as well. And that's the uh, suspect in the Molly Tibbetts murder is in court. In fact, uh, he's in court right now in Montezuma, Iowa. His attorney seems to be wearing a stars and stripes tie. Not an understated one either. (laughs) It's a very loud American flag style tie. I thought we weren't supposed to do that. I thought we weren't supposed to make the flag part of our clothing. And what is he trying to, to do with that? Uh, I'm representing an illegal immigrant killer, and I'm repping and America. America. I uh, don't understand that decision. Uh, the Paul Manafort-Michael Cohen story will continue to evolve today. We'll keep an eye on it. Michael Cohen, of course, the former uh, former personal attorney, says that he will tell the special counsel that uh, President Trump directed an illegal payment that would violate campaign finance law. And then Paul Manafort convicted of eight counts of tax and bank fraud. There was a mistrial on the 10 other counts we told you about yesterday during the show. Uh, But he's not out of the woods. He still has another conspiracy trial that he's going to be facing in D.C. later this year as well. Duncan Hunter and his wife have been indicted. It's a 47-page federal indictment. And it talks about how they were spending campaign dollars. This is a pretty disgusting uh, use of money that's not yours. They would rationalize it in some very creative ways. Um, So the Hunter's explanations, they say, according to the prosecutors, don't justify the charges the Department of Justice spelled out across 200 overt acts listed in the indictment. And you can imagine that there were plenty of others that uh, didn't uh, rise to the level of being included in the list. But this is is sickening in terms of how it is that politicians think they can get away with this. Pretty egregious when they're claiming purchases were for the benefit of charities like the Wounded Warriors Foundation. 
That's the worst. Isn't that, that that's terrible? the part that pisses me off. Yeah. Um, for example, August 6th to the 10th, 2011, they took some vacation. They and a couple of other people went on a vacation. $2,500 on another vacation. The Hunter's Bank account began to incur insufficient funds fees until a check from uh, Duncan Hunter's parents was deposited in the account. And to dis- conceal and disguise the charges, Duncan Hunter told his treasurer that they were campaign-related. Campaign-related. Makes sense. Uh, August, later in that same year in August, uh, they spent about $1,500 on five round-trip tickets to Boise for a family vacation and told the treasurer the charges were, again, campaign-related. They went to D.C. later that year, spending nearly four grand. They ran the Marine Corps Marathon 10K. He told the treasurer that all the charges around the trip were all campaign-related. Now, you could do a percentage of your trip. Mm-hmm. being campaign related. Sure. Like maybe the night that they that they ran the 10k, you could write that off or or get reimbursed by the campaign for that, right? Cuz it's a public event and you're doing it to get FaceTime with people. Um maybe a portion of the meals that day and, and the the hotel fare and all that. But you can't just expense the entire trip. Nobody can. And it I mean just you, went on you and, and I on. wouldn't be able to do that in I mean Using our own money, we wouldn't be able to do that. But again, this we're talking about him using money that's not even his. It's not just them, too. Uh, the wife would spend campaign money to fly her sister and family members different places, uh, claiming that these were flights for meetings. There was one, for example, she flew her sister and two family members to a funeral in Tucson, but claimed that they were for a flight to Baltimore for the National Republican Congressional Committee winter meeting. Listen to this one. November 2015. They were trying to justify the use of campaign funds for the family's trip to Italy. So the congressman attempted to set up a day tour of a U.S. Navy facility in Italy. After Navy officials responded they could only provide a tour on a particular date, Duncan Hunter said he would discuss the proposed date with his wife, then subsequently told his chief of staff, tell the Navy to go F themselves. God. What is wrong? Now, I don't understand why we continue. We how do how does this continue to happen where we see record numbers of people say politicians are idiots and and we can't trust them. And then these people get reelected over and over and over and over and over. every other politician, but not my member of Congress, not my senator. Apparently, he was using a bunch of money to go to NFL games. And this cracks me up, the way the indictment writes this. Uh, in November of 2010, the Hunter spent about two grand in campaign funds as a birthday gift for a family member to attend the Steelers-Raiders game at Heinz Field. The congressman did not inform his treasurer that the money was for a football game. Ben Roethlisberger threw th- for three touchdowns, and the Steelers won 35-3. to three. Like, why is that pertinent information <laughs> so in the indictment? Great. Now, it goes worse. Like you said earlier, when you attach it to something that should be meaningful and then uh, continue to lie because you're, you're trying to make your lie sound better, it's the worst. March 2015, uh, the congressman told his wife, or was accused of telling his wife, that he was planning to buy my Hawaii shorts, but he had run out of money. So she tells him, hey, I got an idea. Go buy the shorts at a golf pro shop so that when we tell the campaign 
we could say it's some golf balls for the wounded warriors. And right there is where you become a really bad person. I, I just can't imagine. I, I would it's ass- one thing to screw us, taxpayers, or, or, or people that have supported you with campaign yeah, money. Who blindly support right, who you. Who blindly support money. you. It's one thing to screw them, but it's another thing to screw over groups that actually need your help. That's a frustrating thing. And I, I'm pretty certain, pretty certain, my wife would uh, smack me upside the head if I came up with an idea like that. I think that she would have serious reservations about your marriage because she would not know who the hell you are. Yeah, go who buy. Who are you? Go get your go get your favorite shorts, but we're going to tell them we're doing it for a charity and not just any charity, the Wounded Warriors. But hey, let's make sure. Now, this by the way, um there was there was not a whole lot of talk about be, the 50th Congressional District being uh, up in the air. Duncan Hunter wasn't necessarily being threatened completely. This is almost, an, I mean, a quick nail in the coffin if he was ever trying to be reelected. So when I read these stories, I think to myself, who else is getting away with it? Because you mean it's not like they're every the only, single, every one, single of one of them to a degree. Absolutely. That's the frustrating part about it. All right. When we come back. The latest on the Asia Argento story. Mm. So she came out yesterday and denied that the story happened the way Jimmy Bennett described it. Remember, this is the 17-year-old that she was accused of having sex with in a hotel room. When she she was 37? Yeah, and she said that didn't happen. Uh, Then the pictures came out today and the text messages. We'll tell you all about it when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue. Huckabee Sanders right now is holding a uh, White House press briefing, and Sarah was actually complimented by one of the reporters a few minutes ago for this being her 100th press briefing. And he said, I know what you do every day must not be easy. No. <laughs> she's been she's been taking a lot of questions. One of the questions that came up a couple of times actually so far is whether or not the president has discussed a potential pardon for Paul Manafort. In the context of how positively he was referring to him today in the early morning tweets. And uh, what she said was she doesn't know if that's been part of the discussion or has been brought up in conversation. The illegal immigrant accused of killing Molly Tibbetts is being formally charged as we speak. We talked about it in the 10 o'clock hour, all the latest details in that murder investigation. And we will revisit that and add more details for you coming up at 1 o'clock. Also, uh, the four suicides that we talked about with Corbin Carson just at the top of the hour, four suicides... Uh, kids aged between 11 and 16 years old hanged themselves around Rancho Cucamonga in recent weeks. And I, I, the statistic floored me. Suicide is the second leading cause of death for teenagers. Yeah, we talked to, with Justin about that. Second leading cause of death. I, I didn't realize. I mean, but in the context, especially considering you had this many this close together. Terrifying. Asia Argento. We told you about the story yesterday that one of the first women of the Me Too movement versus Harvey Weinstein had an assault charge of her own. Well, she was never charged, but an assault accusation all her own. And this involved a 17-year-old child actor, Jimmy Bennett. 
She had worked with Jimmy when he was seven years old, and she played his mother in a very dark film where she's a prostitute. He ends up getting raped in it. It's just a big mess. Well, apparently they kept in touch over the years. She was, as he explains, more like a mentor to her, a mother figure. And his story went that in 2013, he went to go visit her at the Ritz in Marina Del Rey. She plied him with alcohol, threw him on the bed, uh, had her way with him. She came out yesterday and said, I never had sex with that kid. Uh-oh. Right. Because now we know that there are selfies of them lying in bed, topless. And text messages between her and an undisclosed friend. Uh, I think we soon-to-be former friend, whoever oh. this was that revealed these oh, yeah. text messages. Here are the text messages. Do you want to be – who do you want you, me uh, I'll be Asia. Let's let's Rochambeau for it. Ready? Okay. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, you supposed it's one, two, ah. Uh. I was uh, the rock. Oh, well, I was the paper. So you win. You get to be Asia. Is that a winning? Yeah. I'm Asia. I had sex with him. It felt weird. I didn't know he was a minor until the shakedown letter. By the way, these are Monday morning, early, like 4.30 in the morning, Monday, after the Sunday New York Times article came out. The public knows nothing, only what NYT wrote, which is one-sided. The shakedown letter, the horny kid jumped me. What's up with the photo taken in bed? I think that's one that will be harder to cushion. Images are annoyingly assumption nation. You can see my T's. That's all. It doesn't mean S. He is standing up. When I was 17, I was with a 33-year-old man for years. I had just turned 17. If I lose my job, I will move to Africa or the Amazon forest. I want to be among the 90% of the world that doesn't give an F about this S. Hmm. She also apparently posted and sent to this friend a copy of or an image of the letter that Jimmy supposedly wrote to her on the Ritz-Carlton station. Why would she still have this from five years ago? Well... He writes on on this stationery, Asia, I love you with all my heart. So glad we met again, and I'm so glad you're in my life, Jimmy. Um, she wrote, sent an image of that, and then the text. He wrote me this afterwards. We kept and kept sending me unsolicited nudes all these years, up until two weeks before the attorney's letter. It wasn't rape, but I was frozen. He was on top of me after he told me I had been his sexual fantasy since he was twelve. That's what Asia wrote in these text Ugh. messages. And then, you know, supposedly these nudes. That when are we going to get a shower installed in this room? I don't know. Isn't that just dirty and gross when you read through this stuff? Now, here's the thing. I, I, I mean, we said this before. This doesn't, this doesn't change her allegations against Harvey Weinstein. No. It, and, in fact, it doesn't do anything to diminish... The the monstrosity that is Harvey Weinstein because he was doing this to, to all kinds of women. But let me go back to what I said the other day. If she has a very strange mentality about what the boundaries are and should be for sexual relationships, there's a great chance that a guy like Harvey Weinstein can sniff that out. And that's what and we're seeing. It's like, um, what's her name? The Judds. Uh, Ashley. Yeah. Ashley Judd is another one, right? right? Clearly shall we say, mentally vulnerable? Yes, and 
in, in especially in that arena of what a sexual relationship should be or could be or has to be or where the boundaries yeah. are, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. Yeah. When you when you sense uh, something is going south and you got to get yourself out of that situation, I think I think that, that a guy like Harvey Weinstein or anybody who is a predator like that is going to be able to see in someone that kind of vulnerability or, and take complete advantage of or it. Or it's just a game of numbers. You know what I mean? It's like I don't think that Lauren Savon lets on any sort of fragile uh, feeling at all. I mean, she's a very strong woman. It didn't stop him from masturbating into a plant, uh, but she got the hell out of there right, right. away, right? It's going to be that. So she's one of the nine. It's a, it's a, it's a game of numbers. Right. You know, you're going to masturbate into several plants until you find one that will take. I'm out. I'm going to go now. You know what I mean. No, all right. Okay. All right. Coming up next, we had an accident in the family. Big boy upstairs was rear-ended. Wait till you hear how this one ends. Also, you know, we might need to borrow John and Ken's naked desk. Nick, can you go dig that out of their office and uh, clean it? And then we'll uh, we'll do that because we've got a nude man arrested in Sacramento to tell you about as well. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. <laughs> Gary and Shannon. Sarah Huckabee Sanders just wrapped up the uh, White House press briefing for the day. A couple of questions that she was facing um, referenced whether or not the president lied at any point about knowing Michael Cohen was paying off Stormy Daniels. And if you remember the now infamous quote from onboard Air Force One where he said he didn't know anything about it. And then the tape that Michael Cohen released that actually had the conversation about whether or not the payment should be made. And when asked whether or not the president lied, all Sarah Huckabee Sanders said was, listen, he didn't do anything wrong. She wouldn't address the question specifically whether or not he lied. So that that is a strange story in that Michael Cohen's uh, said that he's going to tell the special counsel that Trump directed that what amounts to an illegal payment because it would have benefited the campaign. So that's still to be seen how much information Michael Cohen has and whether or not he's going to go to prison. Told you also about Hurricane Lane, this hurricane that's bearing down on Hawaii. It's at a Category 4 now and is expected to actually downgrade even um, more before it makes landfall, if at all, sometime in the next couple of days. Big Boy got into a bit of a... Who did? Big Boy! Big Boy! Yep. So dumb. Oh, yeah, yeah, we don't have our bonus bell. Big Boy was rear-ended in Calabasas. And he confronts the guy. And then things get really weird. Yeah, uh, Boy says that he got out and looked at the guy who was driving the BMW that ran into him. And he he pulls out a vodka bottle and starts chugging while sitting behind the wheel. This was at 2 p.m. yesterday. Uh, luckily, Big Boy was in his Nissan and not the car I've seen him driving around here in. Which is more expensive. A lot more expensive. Got it. Um, yeah, he was in his Nissan and the guy, the drunk, uh, was in a BMW. Um, cops ultimately got to the scene. They pulled the guy out of his BMW. I guess he didn't, he didn't want to get out until he was finished with his vodka or something. 
But as he gets out, his pants fall down. And TMZ had this great picture of a guy, pretty bedraggled-looking fella at that point, and down go his trousers to his ankles as the uh, the sheriff's department tries to pull him out of the car. Um, he was transported to a local hospital, being checked for injuries, and would uh, undergo blood alcohol tests. Here's the thing. Hmm. You can't really do a breathalyzer test on a guy who just took a swig from a vodka bottle, so they would have to do their blood tests in that case. It's still illegal to drink in the driving seat of a, a car. Even if you're parked. Even if you're parked. Yes. I learned that the hard way. Well, you weren't in the driver's seat. I was. Oh, wait a minute. Now that changes <laughs> this completely. Really? Yes, I thought you were in the car. The car was off. Seat. Oh, okay. Tell that to the police. I did. I know. I said, I'm sitting here and the car is off. How'd it work? Not well. Mm -hmm. One cider. You still get. It pisses me off. So mad at that. It still makes me upset. (laughs) I wasn't driving. Uh, It turns out that he may have been a prosecutor with the LA County DA's office. That's going to make for some interesting conversation around the DA's office. Yeah. Apparently, he he was on leave. For a long time. He's been on a leave of absence since January of 2017. Hmm. How do you get a leave of absence that runs, what is that, 20 months? Bad deeds. I looked him up on one of those, like, uh, transparent California sites. Yeah. He's uh, a grade four DA, so he's pretty high up there. He's, you know, pretty accomplished. But bad deeds? Yeah. I would say if if you're on leave... Yeah, leave but of absence for a year and a half. Do the wheels of review work so slowly in the DA's office Sometimes, they can't fire him? You can't. You can't fire these guys. So it's an at-will employee. Uh, all right. Um, there was also a weird story out of Sacramento, a guy running around our street. What are the chances that you or I know this person? Hi. Pretty yes, high. Pretty I mean, high. I know exactly where this is. Um, I, I don't know the store, but there's a Kicksville Vinyl and Vintage Record store of course there right is. Right there on R Street. It's kind of like the the hipster village that's just east of the, the capital there. In I got married not too far away from there, actually. St. John's Lutheran Church. Mm, what a blessed day. I'm not Lutheran. Just, it was a beautiful church. Lutherans are great people. It's like a Catholic light. Well, in this case, definitely light because the, uh, the pastor was female. Really? Oh, yeah. You got married by a woman? What you, Pastor Didi. I just don't. I just wouldn't think that you would do that. Why not? I don't know. You've married people before. I know, but I just that's interesting. Um, so he was completely <laughs> nude and grabbing his genitals. Uh, <laughs> Is this going to be a bath salt story? Well, he he was walking into multiple businesses there. Um, he was extremely combative, became increasingly violent once he was detained, and he began running away. They eventually caught up with him and attempted to put him in handcuffs, and he resisted. I still, listen, of all the jobs that cops have, arresting the naked guy has got to be on the just the worst. Yeah, because you don't know where that's been, any of that. Uh, uh, according to, to Laura, who owns the Kicksville Vinyl and Vintage Record Store, he was a strong young person. She watched as the guy jumped over the bar's barricade and sat with a customer who was sitting outside, then tried to climb on one of the bar's patio heaters. Some people on the street and inside the business looked on. Some of them called the police. Some of them just picked up their phones and started filming the whole thing. I would. 
dummies. That's one of those. That's one of those things where I would uh, film rather than call nine one one. I did see somebody getting a, uh, wrestled to the ground in the middle of the freeway yesterday on the way to work. On did you, I five. Uh, did you have a feeling to pull over and help? Well, for a moment, because there's. I think there were three CHP officers that had pulled over. It was their CHP or um, uh, L.A. County Sheriff. And then there were like four or five other officers that were standing a good 50 yards away. And I couldn't understand the context of what was happening because they had – I assume they would pulled the guy over and then he became combative. But why there were that many cops there in the first place didn't make a whole lot of sense. And as I drive by, one huge, giant deputy – had the guy in a headlock while the other two are trying to cuff him, and he's waving the other officers over to come help him out because he was putting up a good fight. It was pretty crazy. I wasn't going to do it. I wasn't going to make a difference. I think you could have made a difference. I would not have made a difference. All right, coming up next, all the stories everyone's talking about everywhere. We'll get you all caught up. Let's sing an anchor from the sun. There's a million city lights, but you know the Well, 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 this just crossed the wire. State investigators in New York have issued a subpoena to Michael Cohen as part of an investigation into the Trump Foundation. I don't know if, well, maybe he does have information about that. This is really the first time somebody has been found guilty of an offense directly related to the campaign with Michael Cohen pleading uh, guilty Uh, campaign finance issues. The president did sit down with an anchor from Fox, a reporter from Fox, and did a a full-length interview that I think they're going to play tomorrow. I honestly wonder. They said that they're going to do the whole thing tomorrow morning, but they've been releasing some experts of it or excerpts of it or at least using some excerpts of it earlier today. In response to a question about the money that was paid to Stormy Daniels from Michael Cohen and then paid back by the president, because his reference was it's not illegal because it didn't come from the campaign. And I had that question earlier. What can it be illegal, a campaign violation, even if it didn't come from the campaign? And you found out that if Michael Cohen made the payment, Knowing that it would be illegal because it would illegally influence the election or could illegally influence the election on behalf of a candidate, then that becomes the violation of law. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be from a campaign account. Right. Exactly. The difference between a campaign finance violation that is a crime and a violation that is a civil matter is whether the action was taken uh knowingly and willfully and michael cohen admitted that he knew he was breaking the law yesterday when he pleaded guilty interesting we'll get more into that uh, at the bottom of the hour we jump into swamp watch but there's other stuff going on time for what's happening well the man charged with the first degree murder of molly tibbetts appeared before a judge in court this afternoon christian rivera the judge set bond for five million dollars this guy's never going to get out of jail anytime soon. Uh, there is no death penalty in Iowa, but he would get life in prison without the possibility of parole for the murder of 20-year-old Molly Tibbetts. Now, the story yesterday, there were a couple of things about it. Obviously, they found the body, and we were telling you about that yesterday. Then they made the announcement yesterday, just after our show, that 
not only did they find the body, they basically had pieced together everything that happened the night that Molly disappeared and when this guy and how this guy was able to get her and what he did. He apparently, once they finally arrested him, uh, told them everything he knew, except for some weird, dumb BS about him blacking out at one point. But he clearly is the guy who did this. One of the questions, perhaps, is whether or not he's in the country legally. Uh, The Division of Criminal Investigation in the state of Iowa says he's not, although the company that had employed him said that he did pass the E-Verify system. When he passed that E-Verify system will also be of of note, Mm -hmm. because if he stayed longer than he was supposed to, then... Here illegally. Uh, Hurricane Lane is in the news. Hurricane Lane is headed towards Hawaii as a Category 4 storm. Sustained winds of 155 miles per hour. And the National Weather Service says that this thing could cause catastrophic damage. Looks like hurricane warnings are in effect for the Big Island and Maui as well. The center of Lane is forecast to pass just west of the Big Island Tomorrow, uh, likely weakening to a Category 2 or 3 storm by then. But again, enough to cause some serious damage. I don't know what you do if you're in Hawaii right now and you had planned a beautiful 10-day vacation and the right smack in the middle of it, a hurricane comes rolling through. You just, you just hang out well, in you your hotel room, hang out room, in the right? lobby, yeah. Uh, there is a, a deepening storm. What would you say? A deepening fiasco going on at uh, one of our uh, fellow radio companies. Um, there is a uh, a story going around about the atmosphere at CBS Radio, specifically in New York. But uh, when Craig Lenti in 2006 was hired by CBS Radio, it was because his dad had worked there. His dad was a program director for 25 years. But when he was working as a, a producer... The company turned from the playground of his youth to an Animal House-style nightmare, according to him. That uh, that Craig was forced to endure his host calling a fellow on-air personality an effing Jew bastard, uh, referred to a marketing manager as a dyke, described a potential co-worker as faggy, claims in contemporaneous notes that he made in a daily diary he kept... He eventually turned over to Human Resources in CBS in 2007 as part of a hostile workplace complaint. I don't like stories like this. Why? Well. Listen, as fun as we, as, uh, as loosey-goosey as we can be around We don't here, even come we, close to that, there that kind be, of language. There would but, be, this would never come out of your mouth. No, it wouldn't. But it, it is. Um, you. <laughs> it is. It is a slippery slope. You know, I mean, one of the reasons we all got in and stayed in radio is because it's not like a tradition. Like Morgan was saying earlier, it's not a traditional nine to five job where, you know, you hate your life from nine to five and it's boring and mundane and you can't wait to get out of there. We are like a bunch of college kids, too. We're lucky <laughs> to be where we are. With that comes. I mean, we downfalls. all we did yesterday was name a stuffed lemur in the office. That's not all we did. We uh, what else did we do? We played. Uh, we played with the football and we played some pex ball. Yes, that is all we did. You know. Hey, Top Gun: The Sequel is uh, filming aboard the USS Abraham Lincoln. Nineteen eighty-six blockbuster Top Gun 
sequel is being filmed. Uh, I be- I don't know if they're out to see. I would assume they are, but uh, the- it's based in Norfolk, Virginia, and it started shooting May 31st, at least according to Tom Cruise's Instagram account. Yeah, the photo that he posted uh, has him in a flight suit near a fighter jet with the same helmet he wore in the original film with the line, I feel the need, the need. Or speed. A 15-person crew right now went aboard the Abraham Lincoln on Sunday and is going to stay there for a week. Um, No actors are aboard the crew right now. All they're doing is getting footage on the flight deck of uh, FA-18 Super Hornets taking off and landing as Mm -hmm. part of their carrier qualification. Miles Teller is playing the son of Goose. And his cruise oh. and his and his Tom Cruise's new protege in the sequel. I just got chills. Good. I just got chills. I, like, I didn't know that that was the storyline. I like Miles Teller I as do an too. actor. I love him. Maybe not as a person, but is I mean, he a bad person? I I think there are questions about that. Really? Yeah. But as an actor, he's been fantastic. Then this story. The, this story was trending, and you're the one who brought this to my attention. A three-year-old boy and his one-year-old brother survived a car crash that killed their mother. They survived, according to police, maybe four days after that crash. There was a 911 call on Monday morning. Someone saw this little boy, three years old, walking by himself on a state highway. And the police show up, and he's covered in cuts and scrapes. And they give him a bath, a change of clothes, and somehow a family member contacts the sheriff's office and says... Oh, my gosh, we hear you have this boy. Where's his one-year-old brother? He's probably nearby. Uh, We haven't seen the mom since she was going to go grocery shopping with the boys on Thursday. They went door-to-door in the area where they found that three-year-old, and they eventually found the mom's car overturned way down in the bottom of a ravine. And it was so deep, so far down, you couldn't see it from the side of the road. The one-year-old boy was found inside the car, still fastened into his car seat. Mom, by the way, had been ejected from the car. They're saying that it was hot, it was humid during the time the kids were along, likely alongside the road. A series of thunderstorms had been there, and just think about it: the, the kids were out there in the wilderness for four days. Just absolutely crazy. Nice. All right, we come back. There is a name of a uh, football player that has been in the headlines for very unfortunate reasons over the last couple of years, and I think. We may have seen the last of him, uh, at least in terms of playing football and being in headlines for some time. Well, he may still make headlines uh, in the the law enforcement blotters, but that's about it. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. I didn't get you, did I? Probably. Hey, uh, looks like Kevin Spacey could be in more trouble. The Hollywood Reporter says a second Kevin Spacey sexual assault case is being reviewed here in Los Angeles. New York state investigators have issued a subpoena to Michael Cohen as part of an investigation into the Trump Foundation. State level, huh? Mm hmm. Interesting. Uh, we've also been following the story of uh, the Molly Tibbetts case, and the suspect in that case did appear in court in Iowa. The judge ordered him held on $5 million bond. He's not going anywhere. Um, but it's just a sad conclusion to that story that we've watched over the over the course of a month plus. And, in fact, in the 1 o'clock hour, we're going to get 
back into some of the details and more about that court appearance today. Speaking of sad conclusions to lives. Well, I guess it's not the conclusion yet, is it? Well, no, but... Richie Incognito. Richie Incognito first became a, a headline outside of the NFL when he was in trouble for bullying, correct? Well, he was... he. If I recall, he said that the other players in the Dolphins locker room at the time subjected him to bullying, that he was the one being bullied. Ah. And they decided at one point, smartly in terms of the uh, the, uh, the Dolphins, to let him go. Because I think what happened was they realized after they did all of their investigation team-wise that... The problem wasn't anything out of the ordinary in terms of bullying or targeting Richie Incognito specifically. I've got the details here. It was in November 2013 when ESPN reported on Incognito's alleged role in the harassment of Jonathan Martin. According to Incognito, he'd reached out to Martin after he left the team and the two had an amicable text exchange in which Incognito claims Martin said he'd not blame him or his teammates personally. So it was kind of like squashed then. Because remember, it was a big deal between Martin and Incognito. And then I guess Martin said late in later years, there really wasn't that much bullying or whatever. Like, it wasn't a big deal or something like that. Well, this this whole thing, it, he was alleged to have sent Martin some threatening and racially charged messages as well. And And what they realized was... Y- this goes on in locker rooms. And again, Richie Incognito, by the time you reach the NFL, you've been in locker rooms for 15 years. And this type of a mentality, there is something to be said about a locker room mentality and locker room talk and that sort of thing. But it's oftentimes just used as an outlet for aggression, and there's nothing to it. It's not meant as a personal attack on somebody. But this, but anyway, the Dolphins eventually let him go. He ended up with the Bills. Uh, he retired from the Bills after last season, but he has been talking about a comeback. He said, he said he's also gotten re- uh, inquiries from the Vikings and the Seahawks. So he's been arrested. He was arrested at a funeral home on Monday in Arizona. At one point in this tirade that he is said to have thrown, he asked if the staff could cut his dad's head off for research purposes. Weird. His father had died over the weekend. And yes, when Richie Incognito shows up at the funeral home, he is totally erratic. One of the staffers thought Incognito was going to kill him. When the uh, police arrived at the scene Monday, after the caller said that Richie Incognito was punching caskets and throwing things. He made a gun gesture with his hand, according to an employee, and threatened him, saying he had guns in his truck. Police then reportedly did find a pile of guns in his truck, including three rifles, two handguns, and a silencer. Uh, Mood swings, failure to maintain a coherent thought during his arrest, according to the police report. The family planned to keep him away from dad's funeral because of concerns about the behavior. Uh, But he was released on bond after he spent Monday night in jail. There was a similar uh, outburst back in May as well. He had to be taken to a mental hospital after he threw a dumbbell at another guy in a Florida gym. Police said at the time that he believed ordinary citizens were government officials who were tracking and recording him. Oh, yeah. That's uh, that's some wiring gone bad up top. Okay. So let's throw this in there. CTE? Let's say, yeah. yeah. Let's say Richie Incognito has some health issues to begin with. Mm-hmm. 
and then you throw a little CTE salad on top of that, it doesn't get any better for that guy. And he's no. only, he's 35. Gosh. He's 35 years old. So that's just a sad, and again, it's not, this isn't the end of his life. I'm not saying it that way, but it is a, um, it is a concern and he's reaching crisis levels, I think. You could take him in. You've got an extra room, you know, uh, the Hoffman Wellness Center. Mm. I mean, you've got to start making it. plans for the empty nest. I don't love it. You don't love it? I don't love that idea. Okay. I think you could do some real work with people. With 35-year-old former NFL lineman? Maybe. It's 12.30, which means we will dive into all things Washington when we come back with Swamp Watch. Plenty to talk about today. Gary and Shannon will continue. So give me one more shot tonight. I will tell you if my heart stops beating right. Let me show you that the only thing I know, no matter where we go, feel just like a team would be connected. Feel Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. We are staying on top of all the developments coming out of the Molly Tibbetts murder case. The illegal immigrant accused of killing Molly has been formally charged. A judge did charge Christian Rivera with first-degree murder. We will have all the latest coming out of that court hearing and the details of the investigation coming up at 1 o'clock. Ceremony right now just getting underway in the White House to honor Air Force Sergeant John Chapman with a Medal of Honor for his actions trying to retrieve the body of a Navy SEAL in Afghanistan in 2002 when he was killed. Uh, Sergeant Chapman will be the first airman to be awarded the Medal of Honor since Vietnam. Also, uh, Hurricane Lane continues to uh, to bear down on Hawaii. It is lessening in terms of its uh, in terms of its power, but they are making preparations on Hawaii to make sure that uh, they try to mitigate any sort of damage from this hurricane as it comes in. All right, let's dive right in, huh? Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Swamp Watch. Well, as we were leaving the show yesterday, Michael Cohen was under oath in federal court in Manhattan where he admitted arranging payments to keep the former Playboy model and porn star quiet during the 2016 election about alleged affairs in coordination with and at the direction of a candidate for federal office. Those were his words. He told the judge that he knew what he was doing was illegal, but that he did it anyway. Because he knew he was breaking the law, specifically the Federal Election Act, And he did it anyway means that that is a felony. That is a criminal act. If he had no knowledge he was doing anything illegal, he could have potentially just had a a fine from the Federal Election Commission. So when the president took to Twitter today and said Michael Cohen pled guilty to two counts of campaign finance violations that are not a crime, that's erroneous. Because when Cohen admitted I knew I was breaking the law and I did it anyway. That took him from the arena of fines into the arena of felonies and a criminal act. Yeah, the way the way I saw it written up was it would be a crime to make an excessive unreported campaign contribution if it's done for the purpose of influencing the campaign. And because we know that this was going on right before the election, that was the intention was to influence the campaign. So he admitted to it and uh, it, it is a crime. 
Now, the president today in a tweet said Michael Cohen pleaded guilty to two counts of campaign finance violations that are not a crime. Again, you don't plead guilty if it's not a crime. But the president, uh, but he says President Obama had a big campaign finance violation and it was easily settled. Very that different was things. the fine situation. Right. That was in 2013 when the Federal Election Commission did fine Obama's t- 2008 campaign for 375 grand because they failed to report financial paperwork. Yep. This is apples and oranges here. It is because if even if you look at them like that and say, well, that's you know three three hundred seventy five thousand was the number. Yeah, three hundred seventy five thousand. The largest, fine. the largest fine ever against a presidential campaign, but it was a paperwork error. Yeah, and the it's something like the closer you get to the election, the window shortens that for the reporting time you have on a major donation. It happens. All the time, by the way. These fines are levied against campaigns all the time. Of both parties. McCain, I mean, everybody, Obama. Everybody yeah. pays these things. So uh, it's not – it is a different thing because, like, we've been trying to point out, one of them is a criminal statute. The other one is just civil because the FEC is who handles all the civil stuff and would take that $375,000 fine and do what with it? Have a party? I don't know what they do with that money. And then the second one would be a criminal statute. So – this is a, a strange thing. Now, Lanny Davis has been representing Michael Cohen. Lanny Davis, the longtime Clinton pal. And he explained that it was it was President Trump's own lawyers who accidentally or on purpose were the ones who gave them the information they were looking for. It was a crime for President Trump to direct Michael Cohen to the crime of a campaign finance donation that exceeded the legal limitations. There's something else interesting that isn't so obvious. Why didn't President Trump do this himself? Why didn't he write or sign the check himself? Was he covering up because he knew that there was something wrong in what he was doing, so he directed his lawyer to do something that he didn't want anybody to know that he did? I think the answer to that question is obvious. So there's a cover-up here. Uh, Okay. there's still there's still pieces that are being put together by people like Lanny Davis that I have yet to see evidence for. For example, I mean his 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 question there: Did the president know that this was wrong and therefore he directed his lawyer to do it? I don't think this guy looks at that type of information, and I think I think suggesting that he had some nefarious uh, mind that he knew he was going to have to hide this payment, so he was going to do so through his lawyer. I mean. In terms of the political ramifications, I think of this, he knew he didn't want his hands on this dirty deal. I think Cohen knew that Trump didn't want his hands on the dirty deal, and Cohen was okay with it but, because that's what he gets paid for—to be the fixer, to right. be the guy that does the dirty work. And I don't think he operated in a world where he would even imagine this was a violation of any sort of uh, of election commission, any sort of campaign finance law, because again. My question earlier was, if the money didn't come from a campaign account, why would it be a campaign finance violation? But we don't know that. Well, uh, he, I mean, it was a check that came from him. Yeah, but that's why I think the, the new investigation and subpoena into the Trump Foundation is going to be interesting. 
But then, but even that's not a that's not even election money. It's not campaign money. I feel it's like just, there was a lot of uh, what's the word crossover. Crossover. You know, I the, don't think that they kept their books in order when it was the foundation and the campaign and all of that. I just don't. And, there, there is one guy who may be able to answer those questions who has been talking to the special counsel, and that's a guy who was a longtime accountant bookkeeper for the Trump business, and I guess even had a relationship with with Trump Senior. Are Trump the first or Donald Trump's father. So this guy has known all about the money all along. Because the lines have been blurred from go when you look at the Trump properties and the campaign events they had at the properties and the the money that they were putting from the campaign into the Trump property, right? Like paying them back for events. Exactly. It's just been, it's kind of just been blurred lines. Well, and we see that, and not to just say that millionaires are bad people because they're not, but this is what happened. Yeah, it I mean, is the what thing happened. is, you get enough money, you start you start losing track of where all of it goes. Right. Um, Michael Cohen's attorney, Lanny Davis, was on the Megyn Kelly show this morning, and listen to this. Uh, he he makes an appeal for his client, um, Michael Cohen. Uh, to Mr. Petrillo, his criminal uh, defense lawyer. But could I just take one opportunity to remind everyone that Michael Cohen has suffered a tragic and difficult experience with his family. He's without resources, and we've set up a website called MichaelCohenTruth.com that we're hoping that he will get some help from the American people so he can continue to tell the truth. The, the audience... I mean, that's hilarious. Like a GoFundMe page for Michael Cohen because he has suffered, what did he call it, a tragic event? Uh, This is the other part about this. How somebody, even even in the Paul Manafort case, how somebody can be so crooked for so long that they become used to it. Right. And then once they get caught, start to go, but wait a minute, I... Now I feel bad about why are you victimizing me? Yeah. Victimizing There's you. There's a complete lack of uh, accountability here. No no one's taking responsibility for this stuff. Like like uh, Trump's tweet today about Paul Manafort. What did it say? It's, 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 a witch hunt has ended in disgrace. Um, something of that nature. I feel very bad for Paul Manafort and his wonderful family. Yeah. It's like Paul Manafort, nobody had a gun to Paul Manafort's head and said, hey, hide money, lie to the to the IRS. Nobody, nobody did that. Yeah, but a, I guess, it was his own call. I guess if you're keeping score, there were 10, uh, 10 hung jury counts and, and only eight convictions. You know, it's just the attitude of the rich. We get to get away with stuff. We get to be above the law. We get to play around with money and hide it from the government. And that's just what we do. And it's what we've always done. And screw you for looking into it. I would even say it's just powerful. I mean, yeah. politicians in general who have a power that most of us don't have are fall victim to that the the allure of it and believe that with their power come certain rights that they uh, that they get that we don't. All right, we'll come back. We'll continue with Swamp Watch. Uh, Gary and Shannon will continue. We sound like Bernie Sanders. I know. This is so bad. <laughs> Gary and Shannon. On this Wednesday, August 22nd, the top of the hour, we're going to update you on the Molly Tibbetts case once again. The, the suspect in her murder was in court today, so we'll tell you what came out when we uh, find out more about him. Also, Hurricane Lane continues to bear down on Hawaii. 
It's currently a Category 4. It has been uh, downgraded. It was downgraded recently, but is probably going to downgrade again before it actually makes uh, makes land. We also talked earlier today, and you can hear it on the uh, podcast when you go to KFIAM640.com, use the keyword Gary and Shannon, about these uh, four suicides in the Rancho Cucamonga area. President Trump right now awarding the Medal of Honor, the military's highest honor, to an airman who died saving some teammates from an attack by al-Qaeda. I wanted to read you the story because uh, because John Chapman had quite a story and there were some some politics that were involved with this. The president, by the way, at the White House right now uh, has just called uh, Sergeant Chapman's wife up to the, the podium for the award today. He did get the Air Force Cross, uh, one of the medals that's available to uh, to members of the Air Force. Fourteen years after his death, the secretary of the Air Force actually started pushing for a Medal of Honor to, for it to be upgraded to Medal of Honor. Because they had new technology that showed the video of a battle that Sergeant Chapman was involved with. He died um, along with some of the members of the U.S. Navy SEALs that took part in Operation Anaconda back in March of 2002. And the helicopter they were in, this big uh, 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 MH-47 Chinook, came under enemy fire. One of the Navy SEALs fell out. Now, the helicopter was able to land away from where the Navy SEAL was killed. But once on the ground, Sergeant Chapman provided directions to another helicopter to pick him up. And after they were rescued, Chapman and the team volunteered to go rescue their mission team member from where the enemy had picked him up. After they landed, a SEAL team member stumbled and fell. But Sergeant Chapman charged forward, killing a couple of enemy soldiers without regard to his own life. He kept advancing toward a dug-in machine gun nest. The team came under fire from three directions. He exchanged fire from uh, minimum personal cover and eventually succumbed to multiple wounds. Uh, But they said that his engagement and destruction of that first enemy position and advancement to the second enabled his team to move closer to break the enemy contact, and he was credited with saving the lives of the entire rescue team. They analyzed the video of that battle and figured out that they believe Sergeant Chapman was knocked out like was out and was able to regain consciousness and continue fighting. Wow. And that he may have crawled into a bunker with these guys, with the bad guys, and shot and killed an enemy that had been charging at him and then killed another enemy fighter in hand-to-hand combat. Did you see a picture of him? Yeah. No, that's the that's when he first went into the service. That's a later picture. You do not mess with that guy right there. That looks like the guy that saved the entire rescue team. Um, there was there was some sort of back-channel stuff that went on in terms of the military hierarchy about whether or not Sergeant Chapman would ever get the Medal of Honor. There was concern that if you award the Medal of Honor to this guy, it only sheds light on the fact that they left him behind. Now, it was not going to be blocked. They figured out that the uh, commander of the operation, a guy named Britt Slabinski, was up for the Medal of Honor. He received in May of this year. So they finally came out and put this all together. Sergeant John Chapman and his family uh, awarded them the Medal of Honor. The engagement and destruction, as I mentioned, in his own words, his Navy Sea Air Land team leader credited Sergeant Chapman unequivocally with saving the lives of the entire rescue team. Through his extraordinary heroism, 
superb airmanship, aggressiveness in the face of the enemy, and the dedication of the service to his country. Sergeant Chapman reflects the highest credit upon himself and the United States Air Force. So that's, that's you know, the, um, the thing is these ceremonies go on, you know, a few times a year the, the president will honor somebody in this way, and the story itself doesn't necessarily get out. You just see the, the picture of a, a grieving widow holding a, a framed medal, and you don't get to hear the story necessarily. But this is, um, I thought that was important to tell you. So, Coming up next, we will tell you all the latest information coming out of the Molly Tibbetts murder investigation. We're learning more about the man that's been charged with her first-degree murder and about how investigators were finally, a month later, able to catch this guy and, and force him to lead them to her body. We'll do that next on Gary and Shannon. You know, we are going to have to address this when Dr. Wendy comes in at 1.30. Your change of behavior this past couple days. I am not drinking. Is that what it is? Or is it it that your daughter, your youngest, your baby got her driver's license? Not a baby. She's got freedom now. She doesn't have freedom now. You know my house. She doesn't have freedom. She has anything close to resembling freedom. (laughs) Freedom. (laughs) 37 mile per hour joy rides. That's what it is. Yeah, we're going to have to unpack this with Dr. Wendy coming up at the bottom of the hour. But we are staying on top of the big stories. This is the longest running bull market we've had, uh, I think, in history now. Might be, yeah. Longest bull market in history. The markets just closed uh, a few moments ago, and actually it was uh, another one of these days where we've seen some amazing things go on, even though the Dow was down 87, uh, 89 points, about at 25,733. Still, I mean, regardless of what goes on with uh, any sort of legal issues surrounding the president, this has been uh, a very, very strong economy. Speaking so. of that, investigators in New York have issued a subpoena to Michael Cohen as part of their investigation into the Trump Foundation. Um, the subpoena was issued because Cohen's attorney said that Cohen has information of interest to both state and federal prosecutors. Uh-oh. The, they are looking into whether Trump or his charity broke state law or lied about tax liability. We shall see what comes of that. Well, today we watched the suspect in the Molly Tibbetts case show up in court. And before we get into specifically what happened today in court, there was some legal wrangling that actually took place this morning. Uh, A document that was filed this morning that accused him of killing Molly Tibbetts said that the government believes that he was in the country illegally. And we heard that yesterday as well from the uh, from the department or the Division of Criminal Investigation for the state of Iowa. The special agent who held that news conference was asked one of the first questions about the case. Uh, who Who is this guy and is he here legally? And he said the Department of Homeland Security believes the suspect in this case is not here legally. I'm going to play for you just a little bit about those questions Um Well, just the first little bit here. We have confirmed with Homeland Security Investigations that he is an illegal alien, and we believe he has been 
in this area now for four to seven years. Okay, so he had been working on a farm, allegedly, and he was hired on that farm some four, somewhere between four and seven years ago. And according to the owners of the farm, I think it's the Lang family, he passed the E-Verify test. That they ran his name through the government computers like they were supposed to, and he came up as employable, which means he would have been in the country legally. So there's that. There's the comment from the president last night that suggested that he was in the country illegally. There was a comment also today from uh, from Jeff Sessions. There's a crisis at our borders, which was brought into sharp focus yesterday when we learned of the tragedy of Molly Tibbetts and the man here illegally who's been charged with her murder. Okay, there's a question, though. The defense attorneys are now saying as well that he is in the country Legally, Alan Richards of Tama, Iowa, said in a court document uh, that the government is incorrectly promoting the idea that this guy is in the country illegally. And the quote is, by the way, very political. The quote is, sad and sorry Trump weighed in on this matter in national media, which will poison the entire pool of jury members, uh, citing Tibbetts' death as, as an example of why immigration laws are such a disgrace. This is easy to figure out, is it not? I mean, to me, I don't understand why we're 24 hours later with a description from law enforcement that he's in the country illegally, and we've already had a court proceeding today. We can't determine whether or not he's in the country legally Well, it or not. shows how screwed up the system is, doesn't it? It and does. And how we it, don't even know who's here illegally and who isn't, apparently, and it doesn't, uh, depending on what agency you're asking. And the, I think the worst part is it that even though the defense lawyer is supposed to put up roadblocks and supposed to throw things against the wall to see what sticks to mitigate the charges against his client— it doesn't change the fact that he killed a 20-year-old girl. Right, but it does change the fact if he gets to be their talking point for the next six months. Now, we were wondering earlier in the show about when officers and investigators had a heads up to this guy. We know that they used surveillance video from a, a resident in the area, and now we're finding out the answers to those questions. Because for a month, there were thousands of tips there were flyers with molly's face uh put on every surface around brooklyn iowa and the reward kept growing uh, reached nearly four hundred thousand dollars the government even rolled out an interactive website to help trigger the the public's memory Uh, it was about a week or two ago now we're learning that a neighbor gave police his security cameras and that police watched the footage for hours before they could spot Tibbets. Interesting, isn't it? That's the information from a special agent in charge. How would they need to watch it for hours if they had a time frame? They knew when she went out jogging. I guess it's just various different angles uh, of security cameras. These are sprawling farms. Uh, maybe they had five or six cameras around their property different angles and they had to watch i guess all of the footage on each one for a period of 48 hours july 18th to july 20th or whatever it was and that is when they saw molly running through an area and a car moving close to her it was a black chevy malibu and it drove back and forth numerous times before it just started following her 
and they were able to link that car to to this guy. He did not resist when authorities tried to detain him on Monday. The same day that they told her father, go back to California, they were able to apprehend this guy. And I don't know how they did it, but he was able to take them to the body. They, 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 you know, whatever. We've all seen the movies. You know, just this will all go over quickly. This will all be done quickly if you just show us where the body is. Yeah, and he also had a lot some, easier for you. He's apparently told investigators he had some cockamamie explanation for what happened that night, and we'll we'll play for you part of what um, what one of the uh, Iowa state law enforcement agents said about it because there's it, the guy is going to try to claim some sort of you know mental blackout or something like that, but we'll have them explain it to you when we come back. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Okay, so Asia, Asia Argento's accuser, the, the, the guy who's 22 now, says that when he was 17 and she was 37, she plied him with alcohol and had her way with him at a hotel room in Marina del Rey. He did an interview with the New York Times, or I guess I should say gave a statement to the New York Times saying that he chose to keep the event private because he was afraid and ashamed to have his story heard. Jimmy Bennett says, I did not initially speak out about my story because I chose to handle it in private with the person who wronged me. My trauma resurfaced as she came out as a victim herself in the Me Too movement. I have not made a public statement in past days and hours because I was ashamed and afraid to be part of the public narrative. At the time, he says, I believe there was still a stigma to being in the situation as a male in our society. I didn't think that people would understand the event that took place from the eyes of a teenage boy. I would like to move past this event in my life, and today I choose to move forward no longer in silence. Wow. TMZ posted earlier the text exchange that she had with a friend. Where she admits to having sex with him. Even after yesterday saying, I never had sex with him. Hmm. Crazy. Uh, we've also been uh, been following a couple stories today, including uh, Congressman Duncan Hunter, a grand jury down in San, San Diego, charged Hunter and his wife with using more than $250,000 in campaign money for personal expenses. Uh, that's called cheating. Uh, and also Hurricane Lane. This one continues to bear down on Hawaii. It was downgraded to a Category 4 earlier today and probably will continue to lose strength before it makes landfall. But still, nobody wants to contend with the a hurricane while you're in paradise. Been telling you the story about Molly Tibbetts. She's the University of Iowa college student who we now know was murdered and her body was dumped at a cornfield in Iowa. We found out today that the um, the guy accused of doing it ended up in court and they said that he led investigators early yesterday to the body believed to be Molly in the cornfield about 12 miles southeast of Brooklyn where she was last seen going for an evening run. You pointed this out earlier that they had put up a website last week. We talked about it when it happened. And on the website was a map. And on that map, five little red circles, different parts around Brooklyn, Iowa, where she may have been spotted. And what they did was they said, click on these little red dots. And if you were in that area anytime between July 18th and July 19th, whatever it was, and you were and you saw anything, regardless of how insignificant you think it might be, to let us know. And they say that the area where she was finally abducted, according to what this guy says, happened to be one of those red dots. 
We're getting more information about what he is telling officers happened. He told authorities he saw her running and that he pursued her in his vehicle. And at one point, he says that Molly grabbed a hold of her phone and said, you need to leave me alone. I'm going to call the police. Well, during the investigation, we reached out to the public, as you well know. And during our neighborhood canvas, we came across an individual that had security cameras. We took those cameras. He was kind enough to give us the footage from it. And through that, we were able to identify a vehicle that uh, we believe belonged to Mr. Rivera. It was a black Malibu. And from that, we were able to track his pattern and the, the routes in which he took. We are also able to find Molly running on this video. And we're able to determine that he was one of the last ones to have seen Molly running based on the video, again, that we were able to seize from the general public. Okay, so uh, he says... Well, here's, here's where he gets to the description of what he did. Well, again, we were able to pull him in during the investigation. We conducted a lengthy interview with Mr. Rivera. And during that interview, he tells us that he sees Molly running and was able to uh, come upon her, approach her. And while he was interfacing with her, he actually tells us that he ran alongside of her or behind her. And then at one point, he tells us that Molly grabbed a hold of her phone and said, you need to leave me alone. I'm going to call the police. And then she took off running. He, in turn, chased her down. And then he tells us that at some point in time, he blacks out. And then he comes to near an intersection, which we believe he then placed Molly. He says that at that point in that intersection. When he, he, when he noticed, comes back from his blackout. Right. He's in the intersection and then he's driving to a cornfield. And then he says he noticed an earpiece from headphones on his lap. And he told investigators when he sees that earpiece from the headphones, he realized he had put the woman in the trunk of his car. Mm-hmm. And that when he went to go get her out of the trunk, he noticed blood on the side of her head. He told investigators in an interview that he put the woman's body over his shoulder and took her about 20 meters into the cornfield. He left the body face up and covered it with corn leaves. Apparently used his phone to show investigators the route he took to the cornfield from Brooklyn. It's easy to get to, unfortunately. I mean, the idea that he he didn't go very far in an attempt to hide the body. It was far enough away, about 12 miles as the crow flies, to be out of sort of the circle of suspicion, but they were eventually going to find her. And thankfully, whoever that neighbor was that came forward with the video uh, sped this whole thing up so that there could be some attempt at actual... uh, Because if they had found the body without that surveillance video of the car... They may never have been able to solve the case. A press conference has been scheduled today for members of the media with Yara B. Farms. That's where this guy worked to talk about the employment status. Um, it, it had been reported, like we said earlier, that he was able to work at Yara B. Farms for four years because he passed E-Verify, which is the web-based system allows employers to confirm the eligibility of their employees to work in the United States, but law enforcement have questioned if he was in the country illegally. So still some questions to be fleshed out in that regard. I don't, um, 
I don't know how this continues. I don't know how this plays out. I don't know what the next chapter of this is. I think the biggest issue that we have to figure out now is whether or not the guy was in the country legally or not. Again, it doesn't change the fact well, and how did he that kill he killed her? a 20-year-old. How did he kill her? You know, We're still going to find that out. The autopsy has been done this afternoon, so maybe tomorrow. And it could be a couple of weeks before... It, hopefully it would be tomorrow we get some questions answered, but it could be a couple of weeks perhaps before right. before that sort of stuff comes out. So anyway, it's a story that we have been covering and will continue to cover as we get more information. Coming up next, Gary's oldest child has left the house. Now his, leave the house. Ha- oh, that guy. Now the youngest child has gotten her driver's license, the first sign of a child leaving the house. No, it's not. And Gary's having behavioral issues because of it. So we're going to ask Dr. Wendy how long this is going to last. And, and all of that, if that's okay. Is that a good idea? I don't know. Gary and Shannon, <laughs> by AM 640. Gary and Shannon. Hawaii is getting ready for Hurricane Lane. National Weather Service says this Category 4 hurricane may weekend to a 3 or a 2 when it travels just to the west of the Big Island. Uh, Maui also put on alert. The winds, though, could be more than 130 miles per hour, enough to do catastrophic damage. A couple of uh, legal cases that are connected to the president. Uh, the president's former lawyer, former personal lawyer, Michael Cohen pleaded guilty yesterday to a bunch of stuff, and he says he will tell the special counsel that the president directed him to make an illegal payment that uh, would violate campaign finance laws. Uh, And the Paul Manafort case, convicted of eight counts of bank and tax fraud, mistrial on the 10 other counts from yesterday. But he is uh, still looking towards another conspiracy trial coming up in Washington, D.C. later this year. Well, it is one thirty on Wednesday, which means we get to say hello to Dr. Wendy. And sometimes we get to have fun and talk about relationships and things. And this week, there has just been a lot of heavy stuff that we wanted to get your take on. We've been following this murder uh, out of Colorado. Chris Watts is the man's name who killed his pregnant wife and his three and four year old little girls. Uh, His story we heard about yesterday. His story was all about the fact that he saw his wife killing his kids on a baby monitor and he flew into a fit of rage and strangled her in response to that. Uh, That's hogwash. (laughs) But, you know, his friends, Wendy, have been talking to the media and saying that this seems like a guy that was truly a family man, somebody who would die for his daughter's. Using that language is what they did. Yeah. Um, How is that? Can somebody live like a normal person but inside be a psychopath that could actually do this? Well, first of all, there hasn't been a ton of research on people who do what we call family annihilations. Um, But what you addressed is when people say he was so attached to his daughters, he would die for them and do anything for them. This sounds to me like an over-enmeshment problem. And that's where people see their own family members as like their possessions. They don't see any boundaries between the kids and them, the wife and them. Um, So in other words, the only way they can commit suicide themselves is to kill their entire identity of father and take them all in. Well, that with that, I think, is a weird tangent to what we've seen before, where it would be sort of a, a punishment thing. 
Because we've seen it before where, where people will refer to you're not going to divorce me and I'm going to kill the kids to get back at you kind yeah. of thing. As opposed to what you're saying is a suicide. I'm taking myself out, but to do that... I gotta, I gotta wipe. I don't the slate think clean. he wanted to kill himself, though. I mean, oh, he had I don't, this I don't new, think yeah. So yeah, he had this new girlfriend that he was apparently right. well involved with, and I don't so, know how he thought he was just gonna. If so he, let's look at it. Many family annihilators, uh, when they snap, often have financial problems. Well, I don't have to tell you, Gary, that kids are expensive. Mm. He's got two little kids and one on the way, and now he's having an affair. And just to let people know if you're considering having an affair, affairs ain't cheap, all right? So there's also an expense. And child number three on the way, what if she found out he was having an affair? And what if she threatened to leave him? Now we're talking about maintaining two houses and a girlfriend and an ex-wife and three kids. And they had already gone through financial issues in the previous few years where they had to file for Chapter 7 bankruptcy, among other things. This is what I think happened with Scott Peterson, too. I yeah. think Lacey called him out on it, and he and he did, ran the numbers. Was Scott Peterson also having an affair? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that that's part of it. I mean, financial is a piece. Look it. Um, women love men. Women, men and women need each other. But we are physiologically smaller than men. And in domestic homicide situations, one-third of the perpetrators are the intimate partner. One-third, okay, and of the murders that take place and of relationships everywhere, one in four women across their lifespan at some point will experience domestic violence. Domestic violence is one of the biggest risk factors for family annihilation. And I don't know if we have any reports of domestic violence with this guy. I haven't seen anything about it, but it, but it's one of those where you um... – I wouldn't be surprised by it. I mean, obviously, he, he the accusation is that he killed his wife and kids. You know, so he doesn't, if he's uh, capable of that, I'm I'm sure he's capable of smacking her around. Every but in those while. videos that she posted, uh, one of the ones that comes to mind is when she's telling him that she's pregnant again. Mm-hmm. He does not oh. seem to have an overly masculine way of him. He seems kind of soft, soft. Okay, now we need to stop here because there are a wide range of masculinity that should be accepted. And just because somebody is a nurturer, caregiver, doesn't mean he's any less of a man. No, no, no. So no, no. What I didn't was mean masculine. I just meant like aggressive. I guess I should say aggressive. He doesn't seem like an aggressive, overbearing, control freak guy that you, that you would you immediately see associate in domestic violence right. situations. Right. Right. He seems like kind of the go along to get along guy who's maybe the weaker one in the relationship in terms of personality. That's just what I got from the video. On the other hand, that could mean that he's been squelching right. and suppressing his aggression yeah. for a really long time. Right, and yeah. then you've it's got bottled a, up, a, a series of events where maybe he comes. He spent an entire weekend with the kids or however long she was gone on her business trip. Uh, she comes back, maybe finds evidence of an affair, of whatever that might be. I guarantee if she was it. out of town, he saw the affair lady. 
when the yes. kids were sleeping, mm-hmm. she came over. And maybe one of the kids says, hey, uh, oh, it's you, Mommy. I thought it was uh, Carol or whoever, <laughs> you know. Why do you always give our hypothetical mistress a name like Carol? It cracks me up. Carols don't do those things. Carols are sweet. We don't have any name of the hypothetical mistress. No, which is also an amazing I, I, she's thing. Gonna she's, she's gonna surface. She's gonna surface. Oh, She'll absolutely. talk at a certain point. Yeah. She's it's probably freaking out right now or something. Yeah. Well, she's the thing is, if if it was somebody from work, from yeah, my from where suspicion he was working, is she's married too. Everyone knows who it is too. Probably that's that's that what I'm thinking. Town. People yeah. who work with them at least have questions. I don't know. They spend a lot of time. They. Sure do do funny things in the office. And she could be married, so there could be another yeah. reason not to come forward. But someone will out her. This is America. This is <laughs> the media. This isn't a uh, this isn't a particularly new phenomenon. Yeah. This family annihilation. So thing. when I dug through the research, I could only find one pretty fairly large study, considering how narrow this population is, and it was on 153 domestic homicide perpetrators, and they actually evaluated these guys still alive 153 of them for more than 1500 hours uh we will say that the vast majority of them 99.9 percent were men okay Uh, it's very rare for a woman to practice family annihilation um and what they discovered is that there tended to be a trend of severe mental illness particularly psychotic disorders um they also tend to have very few previous convictions like this is their first and only Time to get arrested. You know who it keeps springing to my mind? And um, OJ Simpson? Googling her. No, No. (laughs) uh, that's just narcissism. Um, (laughs) The woman who drowned her kids in the bathtub. Yes. Susan Smith. Susan Smith. We'll never forget that. That to me. Oh, no. Susan Smith drove them into the lake. The one, the five in the bathroom, but she had a severe mental illness. Exactly. The five in the bathtub. Andrea Yates. Yes. yes. Andrea Yates. Yes. Oh, that, I can't even. Even just remembering that story, I get chills down my spine. I, I just, I, I have a really hard time dealing with child abuse and child homicide. I think it's because we can't wrap our heads around it. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 his again, his um, definite or his explanation for what happened was he saw his wife strangling. Yeah, his, it says a lie. This is kids. a defense that his attorney clearly, told him to say. Yeah, clearly, it's know. BS. This is a woman who has two little kids, toddlers, who she loves dearly, and, and she's, she's pregnant, pregnant with another. She's hormonally wired to just love, love, love. Yes. Right. And we don't know. I mean, I don't think she's expressed, shown any signs of mental illness in her life. I mean, we we just don't know. But um, maybe just picking this guy. That but, you know, if, if he goes into, quote unquote, save his child, if he's so, so enraged that his child is being attacked and he kills her, why would he kill the kids then? I know he wanted to be free of his whole identity as father so he could move forward in his fantasy life with the affair girl. That's what was going on at that moment. I don't know how much freedom he's going to see. It just, you know what, it really, um, I I, I hope there are stories that come out. I mean, I don't hope, but uh, I'd feel better if there were stories that came out that were some red flags about this guy. You know, because the well, idea often that there aren't because it is the fact that they have suppressed so that much. It's so crazy to me that, you know, ready he, to pop. there could just be a, a normal father, you know, out there who never shows any signs. And then one day he's attracted to some girl at work and yeah. and then he kills his whole family. And there's no and there's no, you know, I like the crazy to advertise itself as crazy. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> Don't we all? And when it doesn't happen, it's just terrifying. Well, I, I think, and the problem with your your uh, fear of the um, 
the face tattoos that we've seen so much of lately is it used to be that was a sign of crazy. Right. And now it's a Tuesday. Yeah. Everyone's got face tattoos. Everyone's got face tattoos and you can't tell them apart. I live in Venice. Uh, There are tattoos everywhere in Venice on every body part you could imagine. And people display it. Uh, Wow. (laughs) All right. More with Dr. Wendy when we come back. Gary and Janet will continue. Channel on this Wednesday. It's August 22nd. A bunch of stuff we covered today you can go back and listen to on the podcast. Of course, our updates on the Molly Tibbetts case. Um, they did arrest the guy yesterday and he appeared in court this morning. Five million dollars bond is what he's being held on. He admitted to killing the girl but said that he blacked out. Uh, uh, he was able to lead authorities to her body in a remote cornfield about uh, 12 miles outside of that little town of Brooklyn, Iowa, where she lived. We are talking with Dr. Wendy, and we have some uh, personal stuff to get to today. Uh, <laughs> Wendy, Who's person? Gary. I'm busy posting on Instagram, by the way, because Shannon just told me that I looked good today. I think it was the lighting from the window, actually. So it's on Instagram at Dr. Wendy Walsh if you want to see the picture Shannon you just come, took. You come in here uh, once a week, right? Well, twice a week. Sundays is my show from 4 I know, to 6, but I mean but, in, yeah. into this when we're here. Yeah. Um, bec- she tells you that probably once every – she she brings that up quite She's a bit. She's a good girlfriend. She does her well, job well. Dr. Wendy always looks very I'm pretty. right here. I know. I bet, <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and never what that's why I close these shades is so that the light you, comes from the window behind you and you would go Would you like a compliment? Wow, he looks delightful. Okay, well I'll work on that. Um see the behavior that we're seeing right now, this dramatic behavior from him. There's a him, little aggression from it's him. It's new. Uh he's usually not this dramatic about things and his behavior has been a little wacky the last couple of days and I think it's because the oldest child moved out recently and the youngest child the baby Gets her driver's license this week. She's driving away. Let me add to this that I called both of my sisters in the same day on Monday night. These are feelings of longing. And where's your wife? Right now? Yeah. Uh, Well, she's going to head to Huntington Beach later. Oh, so she's also leaving. Well, she's technically coming back (laughs) later. Okay, so here's what I want you guys to understand. Uh, There is a parallel universe that goes on underneath all our talk and all our behavior And these are our unconscious drivers and our unconscious world rules. And so I would venture to speculate that on some level you are feeling some loss and reaching out to some of your other attachment figures like your sisters from way back when. And that the solution is everything you're doing. Um, And obviously becoming aware of your feelings is the most important, Gary. You recognize them and work yeah. through them. Don't yeah. bury them. Allow them to be. And understand that feelings will never kill us. They can't hurt us. We just they have to... They can make us feel nauseous. Uh, oh, well, that's when you're keeping them in your body instead of getting them out. Yeah. Okay. We have just, you ever cried we just in the an shower? entire segment about a guy who got his feelings out. No, he did not. The feelings took control of his behavior because he did not learn how to manage his feelings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the point is to not try to get rid of feelings because then they become silent yeah. puppet strings. But instead, allow the feelings to just be there and know that it's okay, that you're still lovable. Your kids are going to come back. Your wife will come back. 
And it's a great opportunity to connect with your sisters, reconnect with your sisters. Beg for compliments. But, <laughs> but otherwise, you, but people who aren't aware of all these things, people who don't have coworkers like you, you yes. know, people that don't have Shannon and Dr. Wendy here helping you, those people just stay grumpy at the office and have negative behaviors and they don't know why. Because they haven't taken the time to dig deep and see what's going on. The thing is, I think they know why. They just refuse to have, they refuse to let people in there to. They take it out on a good way to feel your feelings. Well, uh, journaling is good, girls like that. Uh, You know why journaling journaling works? Because as soon as you put a feeling on a piece of paper and then read it, you now have the eyes of a voyeur, a watcher. You're not actually in with it. You're just watching it from the outside. Because that's what you want to do with all your feelings is put them to the side and watch them, turn them over. I like a good cry in the shower. Also, uh, not, <laughs> that's not what I'm looking for here. You've given two very poor, poor exercises Yeah, that's for a good me. idea. You know, maybe go home, watch The Notebook and get it out that way. <laughs> or just talking about feelings. Hey, John's yeah. here. Last may- time I saw him was on a Fox set. Maybe Shannon wears that shirt again and it makes me cry. What shirt? This, this shirt? shirt. My mother so gave beautiful. me this shirt. It hurts my eyes. It's beautiful fuchsia. Oh, boy. It's John, beautiful. how do you feel your feelings? I, I don't feel anything. That's, see? <laughs> that's a lie. Huh? No, I've uh, I've cut my feelings off. I had an operation. Oh, no, they, you did they not. were severed. Yeah. <laughs> no, you get it out by work. Cuz oh, uh, you true. know, I shouldn't tell your fans this, especially your super fans, but outside of this studio, yes. you are the nicest person on the planet. Cuz you get it all out here. You're so dishonest. <laughs> I wouldn't go with nicest person on the planet. Well, very nice to me. Yeah. Shall we say? I, well, he uh, knows how to interact. I, I, I have skills. learned to adapt to the species. He knows I, the right things smart. to stay right. at the right time. I've it's learned, like a classic I've, psychopath. I you know. I've watched other people. <laughs> right. And I now mimic their behavior. You know social cues. I, I see what makes them happy. And so I, uh, I imitate it. That is a sociopath, you know. Oh, I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. That ship is sailed. Uh, Machine. Well, you're sailing right behind me. You are in the way. It's a pretty crowded, uh, pretty crowded lake. It's like an armada. Yeah. What uh, What do you guys have coming up today? Oh, we got uh, Bob Hertzberg coming on. He's the, uh, uh, I forget if he's a state senator, an assemblyman. I can never keep track of He works guys. in Sacramento. Uh, yeah, he's out of the valley, and he wrote the bill that's going to give bail to a lot of defendants now, so people don't have to pay bail anymore. They could just attest uh, to their good character. Mm, that sounds yeah. nice. Yeah, it, it sounds like it's going to go well. Do they get a bouquet of flowers when they walk out of the courthouse? Also? Uh, yeah, probably in a gift Excellent. basket. And, uh, a gift basket. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for your crimes. <laughs> thank you for thank you for your service. All right. Uh, John and Ken coming up next. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> Stay dry, everybody. And so we come to the end of another fun-filled episode of... Gary and Shannon.